Welcome to the Asia Perspectives podcast from Economist Impact. I'm Gillian Parker, based in Singapore with Economist Impact's policy and insight practice that brings you evidence-based insights to open debates, broaden perspectives and catalyze progress. So our topic today is related to an article we published recently about data privacy in Asia. You can read that research on the Perspectives website. Go to impact.economist.com forward slash perspectives. The title is Privacy in Asia-Pacific, Shifting Perspectives and Changing Expectations. Vast quantities of data are gleaned from us on a daily basis. Data mining can appear fairly innocuous, clicking on the accept cookies button or entering an email address to access content or to receive a discount code. Society and regulators are grappling with ever-evolving privacy issues created by new technologies and data collection methods. In this episode, we're digging a bit deeper into the concept of data privacy to understand how changes in perceptions and expectations are creating challenges for citizens, companies and countries in the Asia-Pacific region. As our research found, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to data privacy issues. So how do we craft data privacy frameworks that cater to all preferences and expectations? Joining me to give their insights are two people who are well-versed in the effort to manage data privacy in Asia. Rama Vadashri is Chief Executive Officer of the Data Security Council of India. DSCI is a premier industry body on cybersecurity and data protection in India. Rama has spent the past six years at DSCI working with all of the private and public stakeholders in India to help them navigate the constantly evolving data privacy landscape. I thank her for taking this time to help us navigate the challenges over the next 20 minutes. Welcome, Rama. Thank you, Julian. Thank you for inviting me here. And it's my pleasure to be able to conversing with you along with Mr. Zikin. With us today is Yong Zikin. He is Deputy Privacy Commissioner of the Personal Data Protection Commission in Singapore, where his key responsibilities include managing the formulation and implementation of policies relating to the protection of personal data. A significant challenge given the evolving technology landscape, but one he is well placed to address given his expertise in AI ethics and background in law and public policy. Welcome, Zikin. Thanks, Julian. Looking forward to the conversation with you and Rama. So let's dive right in. What are the differences for how data privacy trends might be transpiring for large and small organizations, or even for ones in Asia compared to other regions? Rama, perhaps I could direct that one to you first. That's a great question, Julian. I personally think that currently and going forward, every data processor and controller would be governed by a set of common directives, whether it's public sector, government agencies, large enterprises, or even startups. The difference could be is that most regulators and governments would put together some enabling programs to support small and medium businesses to support startups in their privacy journey and implementing privacy. But I would believe that the rules would be the same and what is expected of large enterprises which are dealing with particularly sensitive personal data and data which is critical to the national security, national economy. I think broadly the rules would remain the same, but I do expect every government, including government in India, 
to invest in programs to support in the privacy capability building of small and medium enterprises. But I don't think too many exceptions would come their way. That's an interesting point. Zikin, do you agree with that? And do you think actually there are differences for businesses operating in Asia compared to other regions? Yeah, I do agree to a large extent with what Rama has said. But maybe what I might want to do is to take a couple of steps backwards, right? And really look at this phenomenon that we refer to as uh, privacy or data protection. It seems to suggest that it is universal, but the reality is that it is while there are certain principles that are universal, the complexion and uh, the texture is determined very much by history and culture. So how privacy is looked at in the US right, might be different from how, for example, the Europeans look at it. And definitely when we come to a region as vast as Asia, the way we look at privacy and data protection will also be slightly different. But that's not to say that it's totally different. There will be certain differences. And because data protection and privacy is very much influenced by history and culture, it is important to realize that it manifests in two areas. I think one, for a region like Asia, which probably has a much shorter history uh, dealing with uh, data protection and privacy than US and Europe, for example, it results in different expectations by customers and consumers, uh, different attitudes, and also different levels of similarities by businesses that need to deal with such issues as uh, protecting consumer data and safeguarding privacy for consumers. So we need to bear that in mind because there is this differences, right, in familiarity. It also will manifest in the different levels of maturity of organizations. Large multinationals that operate worldwide will be a lot more mature in their internal practices. But when you talk about smaller companies, especially those that are in Asia, with a shorter history of data protection and privacy, the maturity levels of the companies in their ability to safeguard data, to the sensitivity towards consumer privacy issues, we need to recognize that they probably need a bit more help from governments. So that's the other thing that we need to look at. So I'll just maybe conclude on this area by saying that there is a certain level of baseline convergence of data protection and privacy principles globally, right? I think uh, that's good. But I think one of the big challenges that we will have is really companies, whether multinationals or smaller companies operate, uh, what can we do to help them navigate and also uh, comply with these regulatory requirements in a different market that they're operating in? Interoperability is going to be one key issue we need to look out for. I mean, how is the regulatory landscape then evolving in Asia? And what's really driving the change? If you look back to history, right? I mean, the US probably has always been attributed to the invention of a camera, which kind of like gave rise to the first discussions of privacy in US. In Europe, I think a lot of the conversation happened in the middle of the last century, a half century moving forward. In Asia, data protection laws and privacy laws it's relatively recent that these uh, data protection laws are coming up. You have countries like Japan and uh, Korea with a bit longer history. Hong Kong would be another example of an economy with a bit uh, longer history of data protection. But then you also have countries like uh, Philippines, Singapore, Malaysia, where our data protection laws are only 10 years old. And then you have a new entrance on this field, right? So uh, Thailand, I think their data protection law just came into effect. Indonesia has a data protection law that will come into effect soon. And beyond these, you, you still have other countries with data protection law in various stages, some in draft bills, and some are still dependent on sectoral regulation. 
So it's a very diverse developing landscape, and I think driven very much by the need for companies. The companies realize that they are part of the digital economy, that consumers have a certain expectation. This goes back to the common baseline of uh, data protection principles that has some convergence on. So I think these three factors right, uh, make Asia a very interesting place. Different levels of maturity in data protection laws, companies uh, who are plugging into the digital economy knowing that they want to reach markets beyond their own domestic markets, consumers having certain expectations because uh, there's a certain convergence on a set of data protection principles that are fairly universal, even though the level of familiarity and maturity in Asia is different from other parts of the globe. So Rama, what about where you are? What is driving change in India and how is that the regulatory landscape evolving there? In India, Jillian, we still do not have the privacy legislation enacted. But one big development that has happened a few years back is that privacy has been declared as a fundamental right because of which there is a lot of privacy awareness and capability building that is happening. Most user enterprises, particularly those who are in the business to consumer space, pending even the law being enacted, many of them, particularly banks, fintechs, healthcare service providers, e-commerce companies, they've all started their privacy readiness journey beginning to look at the privacy programs and having a team. So we do see a lot of action in terms of getting geared up for privacy as in when the bill gets enacted. On the other hand, where we see a whole lot of attention to privacy is because the Indian tech industry, whether it's the large services firms and the product companies and the startups, we serve global markets across the world. So it's almost a $220 billion industry and also a very large, robust startup ecosystem. Since they are serving global markets, including Asia-Pacific, Europe, US, Middle East, so many of them almost, you know, four or five years back, thanks to UGDPR and getting geared up for that, many of them have put together very robust privacy programs. Another new interesting development I have seen in India in the last one to two years time frame, particularly in the last one year is privacy as a technology opportunity area for privacy tech or privacy enabling tech, as it is called, scanned the landscape of startups a year back. We would hardly see too many startups working on privacy technologies, whereas now that's another growth area we are seeing, including many services companies who have built that kind of maturity in privacy, privacy advisory and consulting post-EU GDPR are now looking at platforms and their service portfolio in privacy enabling and advisory. So broadly, this is where we see user enterprises awaiting the bill, but getting geared up for privacy and whatever are the provisions of the bill as of 2021 December. Startups looking at privacy technology as an opportunity area and coming up with products and the large tech industry already geared up for privacy readiness because they we serve customers across the world. In India, I think they are the leaders when it comes to privacy implementation. Thanks, Rama. So it sounds to me that tech firms and a lot of businesses are forced to really tackle this head on due to the fact that they are engaging with businesses elsewhere where perhaps the data privacy environment has advanced faster than maybe in Asia Pacific. But 
You talked about some of the startups that are working in this space. Does that then leave a role for governments or what role do you think the governments should play in terms of data protection? And then what are some of those challenges that are faced by governments and business navigating this space? I think in India, government has a huge role to play first is building that privacy awareness among consumers and citizens. Because given that privacy is a fundamental right, I think a citizen awareness campaign is very important. And this is where both the central and state government have a big role. The second one I would say in India is that expedite enacting the privacy legislation and then appoint a regulator. That's a second one. Because post that, a lot of rules and codes and best practices have to evolve and have to be published by the regulator. That's the second one. The third role I would say is if you look at the large enterprises like banks, telecom, insurance companies, and of course the Indian technology industry, they already have a certain level of maturity. But I think there's a huge segment which deals with personal data, whether it's the local government, state governments, and most importantly, I would say small and medium businesses. Government needs to invest in their capacity building, invest in how do they comply with the bill. There is also need for a lot of skill development so that we need more privacy professionals. We at DSCI continuously do a lot of privacy training programs and certification. But I think we need those training programs at scale because we need more privacy professionals to support small and medium, large enterprises in India as they undertake very comprehensive privacy programs. But given that privacy is a fundamental right, I think all arms of government, whether it's legislature, executive, and also judiciary need to be able to gear up to enforce this right and provide the necessary remedies as in when privacy violations happen once the law is enacted. Thank you, Rama. Zikin, do you have any thoughts on that and to what degree governments should be involved in data protection? Well, I do believe that government has a very large role that it can play, but we need to be clear about who's the target audience and what effect we're trying to achieve. I think I kind of like look at it in a two-by-two matrix, right? On the one hand, we have companies. There are companies that are global, whether these are MNCs or even our local companies with an eye on the regional markets. For these sets of companies, I think our policies need to adhere to global standards to make it a lot easier for them to conduct business on a global scale. It will help with interoperability. Policies need to facilitate the flow of data to support this group of companies. For companies that are smaller and more domestically focused, they are typically also those that may not be so mature. So what can we do? Governments can actually try and translate some of these data protection principles into programs, simple programs that are targeted at these small, micro, small and medium enterprises. Like, for example, in Singapore, we have a better data-driven business program, which tries to bake in data protection principles into business intelligence tools and that will help companies achieve common business objectives by understanding which customer segment likes to buy what kind of product and also distilling the data protection into a data protection essentials program to help these smaller companies safeguard and protect their customers. 
This podcast is brought to you by Google. At Google, more than 20,000 people work to detect, review, and remove potentially harmful content. Google uses a combination of smart detection technology and highly trained human reviewers to consistently enforce our policies with increasing speed. Google is constantly making improvements and remains committed to progress in this space. Are governments in a position to know then what is possible from a technical standpoint? And then if not, how could governments and the private sector work together to pursue data privacy? That's a great question, Jillian. I do see in some geographies the awareness or knowledge about the technology stack to be able to implement privacy various controls, whether it's in the area of constant management, whether it's in the area of data discovery and data protection, it is increasingly getting better. I would say from an India standpoint, there's a lot that needs to be done more to be able to educate both regulators and government on what are the new technology solutions that are coming for privacy enhancing. I think there's some work to be done. But I would say that would automatically happen once our privacy legislation is gets enacted. Because we are seeing this in the last four or five years, at least in the domain of cybersecurity, there is deep technology infusion that is happening across all enterprises and government and center, which means everything in cybersecurity or information security. I think it is technology led and the right technology solutions are getting selected to be able to mitigate the cyber risk. I would say the same journey will happen once our privacy bill gets enacted. But I would say while the industry, the services industry, plus the huge ecosystem of products and startups are beginning to look at the opportunity side of developing new products and solutions, taking that to regulators and governments and center, state, we do have some work to do on that. And Zikin, what are your thoughts on how governments and private sector can work together to pursue data privacy? So I think that there's quite a lot of work that can be done, right? I talked about capacity building for data protection professionals earlier. I think having an effective enforcement regime will also help consumers uh, more confidence about the system that's in place. But I specifically to the question of public and private sector working together in the area of technology and innovation. One of the things that I think governments can do is really to have an open door policy of how, as regulators and policymakers, we can support new technology. So in Singapore, uh, we do it through uh, regulatory sandboxing, right? So PDPC runs a a regulatory sandbox where uh, companies with new technology or new ways of using technology can come to us and uh, go through the various stages of the sandbox, sharing with us how the technology works, getting early regulatory guidance, and where the regulatory guidance uh, might be useful for broader application across the industry, the regulatory guidance is actually published so that others using the same technology or business model can benefit. That's a more general and open one. Something more specific could also be done. So recently, we launched a privacy-enhancing technology sandbox where we use the same approach, but we are very much focused on helping companies who are ready to start using privacy-enhancing technologies to work together with us, right? Bring the use cases, bring the solution providers, run these pilots, and in that process, we aim to develop case studies and also provide regulatory guidance so that others who are looking to solve similar kind of commercial uh, problems can use this kind of technology and adopt the same safeguards and parameters that have proven to be okay in the past. And this way, we can support 
the use of privacy enhancing technology in a much broader sense. So, so these are just a couple of ways that governments can help companies who are seeking to use new technology to support innovation. What for you then does the future of privacy look like? Well, the analogy I like to draw for privacy is really a move from today where privacy is everybody's concern and consumers are confronted with these notices and that they have to click through clauses that they have to agree to. I think what we want to, to do is to move past this and to uh, reach an ideal stage where privacy and the safeguards and these concerns are actually addressed upfront using data protection by design principles when we're building systems and these things are embedded and we have a mature ecosystem of certification and third-party assessors who are able to give assurance that these things are done. So ultimately, the analogy I like to use is data protection and privacy should be like those reinforcement bars in the walls and floors that are in the buildings. They are there because without them, uh, the building will, will not be standing erect. But consumers don't have to look out for them. They don't have to know that they are there. They just need to be assured that there's an ecosystem to make sure that these things are taken care of. That's a great analogy, Zekin. Rama, what about you? What does the future of privacy look like for you? Yeah, what I would say is in the future, both businesses and public agencies will look at privacy as a differentiator to reassure trust in the digital world. So I think the mindset of complying to a privacy law increasingly will get less of focus and people will invest in privacy to reassure their consumers or citizens. And that's the only way as more and more digitization happens if public agencies and businesses are not able to reassure and build the trust, I think it would be very difficult to get users onto digital platforms and digital apps. So I would say privacy as a differentiator, business differentiator, that concept will grow. Second one, I think increasingly people will rely on technology solutions and platforms to implement privacy rather than a process mindset, because I don't think with the volumes of data and with the granularity of the regulations that are coming at a national level and at a sectoral level, unless there is technology behind it, you can really comply and force privacy. So that's the second one I would say. And I wanted to add to a point that my fellow panelists talked about, Mr. Zikin, is that we in DSEI are also looking at a concept of a use case clearinghouse for privacy use cases. And we are continuously doing privacy app challenges. So we do see that as in when there are more grand challenges for startups that government hosts, while cybersecurity and other deep tech areas are getting a lot of attention. In the future, I would say privacy enhancing technologies would also get an end. So ultimately, I think the user and the citizen will govern the roadmap for attention to privacy. And while regulation and compliance will always get some attention, I think winning the trust of users will be the way to go. Thank you so much, Ram. That's a great note to end on. We'll have to leave it there. But I'm so glad that you could join us today. Thank you so very much for your thoughts. And thank you as well to our listeners for spending time with us. Data privacy will certainly be a continuing challenge in Asia and globally. So the discussion that we have today will evolve 
as new technologies and expectations for privacy emerge, please read our Privacy in Asia-Pacific article on the Economist Impact Perspectives website. That article, as well as this edition of the Asia Perspectives podcast, are both supported by Google. And as always, if you have any feedback or questions about this podcast or any aspect of work from Economist Impact, you can email us at asiaperspectives at economist.com. Thank you again from the editorial team. Thank you to my guests. Please subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode.